to a brand new episode of Virtual Coffee. My name is Alexa Collier, and I am the host of this podcast. On this podcast, I chat with small business owners where we talk about their businesses, their road to business ownership, their perspectives, their advice, all things small business world. And with me today is Sydney Pohl, the founder and owner of Sid Play Eat. Sydney makes and sells a variety of truffle-based products such as salts and hot sauces. And on this episode, Sydney shares her journey to becoming a business owner. Now, what I love about this episode is we also dive into the why behind Sid Play Eat and go beyond just business talk. Uh, we got into healthcare and food and health, uh, a lot of products that relate to her business. And this is truly one of my favorite episodes that we've ever recorded. Sydney is a wonderful, inspiring person, and I do know you'll get a lot out of this episode. So before we hear from Sydney, as always, I'd really appreciate if you could rate and review Virtual Coffee on Apple Podcasts and the Spotify app. It really just helps others discover our podcast and therefore discover the small business owners that we showcase. You can also follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the socials. It's all at Virtual Coffee Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And now let's hear from Sydney. Hi, Sydney. Welcome to Virtual Coffee. Thanks so much for being on. Hi, it's so nice to virtually talk to you, Alexa. Yeah. I am so excited to be on your podcast. Let's jump in. So, of course, would love for you to just kick off with a quick intro of who you are and maybe just a little bit behind your business, Sid Play Eat. Yeah, of course. So I am Sydney Pohl. Um, my middle name is also Alexa. <laughs> so Woohoo! That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I am the founder of Sid Play Eat. We make black truffle hot sauces, and seasoning salts with ingredients that you can recognize and pronounce, um, trying to spread the word of healthy eating and cooking and making it approachable and easy for people at home um, while still keeping gourmet flavors in the house. I'm also a mom of a one-and-a-half-year-old. I'm married. I have a dog who just turned three, and I live in Chicago. Thanks for, for that intro. And I'm curious a little bit more about you. So how did you get to Sid Play Eat? You know, were you always into cooking? Was that a hobby? Have you always been entrepreneur mindset? What kind of led you to this business in particular? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, prior to uh, starting Sid Play Eat, I worked in the restaurant industry. I worked for one of the largest restaurant groups in Chicago doing events. So I would coordinate all the events across the nation. And during COVID, I was furloughed because nobody was planning events, of course. And I had been dabbling in the kitchen, kind of trying to post on Instagram, but Definitely not influencer status, just more friends <laughs> and family, uh, cooking at home, sharing recipes and proving like anybody can teach themselves to cook and learn how to do it, making it easy and approachable. And I had come across a chili crisp recipe and made it and I changed every ingredient that was in the recipe <laughs> I found and really just utilized the cooking method of it. It called for vegetable oil and 
I knew vegetable oil wasn't, it's, it's an inflammatory oil. So I was like, oh, I'll just use an organic olive oil. I had a truffle salt on the counter. I threw that in and it tasted so good. I was like, oh, I bet I could sell this. So I started selling it on Etsy very much as a hobby. I had a couple of friends buying it. It was very low key, you know, a handful of sales every now and then. Um, and it wasn't until being furloughed that I really took this in to consideration to be a real business. A little backstory behind that as well. Working in the restaurant group, I loved it, but I wasn't filling all the needs I wanted for a job. I loved the idea of healthy eating and cooking. My dad had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and I really wanted to tackle how you can prevent something like that. Of course, diseases come sometimes just naturally, but often cancers like that come from a poor diet and, you know, no fault to him. There's just Mm -hmm. a lack of education around that. And doctors don't always know how to tell clients or patients about that. It's kind of like, okay, we're here. These are the surgery options. This is the chemo option versus how could you even prevent it before even getting to that point? So after that happened, I enrolled in nutrition school simultaneously still working at the restaurant group and was still cooking in my kitchen. So that really led to a lot of utilizing clean ingredients, sharing it on my Instagram, trying to promote healthy eating before it gets to the point of being in the hospital. Wow. I always really appreciate when folks like yourself have that deeper meaning behind the business. You know, like you said, started off as you made this chili sauce and Mm -hmm. spice and, you know, it was delicious. So you decided to sell it. But then, you know, having that deeper meaning and going to nutrition school, you touched upon this a little bit, but what else has that done for your business or even how you think about the products that you sell? That seems like a, like you kind of have that next level up in that industry, just having that education. Yeah. I mean, nutrition school was, I think, one of the best ideas I (laughs) come across. I felt like I knew a lot about food and I was fascinated by the food world. My dad was in the baking industry, so I grew up around food. But, you know, of course, baking and being a kid of the 90s, I did not grow up around health food per Mm -hmm. se. Um, And I still wouldn't say I'm like, a hippie, dippy, like only (laughs) ingredients. We of course eat junk food every now and then, but I feel like it's all about education and being aware. Like there's a, I think the biggest takeaway I learned in nutrition school was you and I can both sit and eat a bag of potato chips. If you are eating the potato chips that are using sunflower oil or vegetable oil, are you aware that that is going to be inflammatory to you versus now you can buy potato chips that use avocado oil or olive oil. And those are anti-inflammatory. Of course, yes, they're still fried. It's not considered a health food, but it's a better for you option. And I think to me, just trying to spread that awareness to people is was such a huge impact and learning aspect from nutrition school that I wanted everybody to know that you know, whether or not people actually want to hear that information. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. I think there's like half the amount of people 
that are interested in hearing it and half that are like, you're shaming me. I don't want to hear it. And I never try to make anybody feel bad about what they're doing. I just want them to know the options. So that really impacted what we sell with seasoning salts and olive oil based hot sauces. You know, is salt a health food? Not necessarily, but do we add sugars, stabilizers, chemicals, things like that? Absolutely not. We try to keep it as clean as possible, bringing gourmet flavors to your house. You don't need to know how to cook. You can utilize our sauces and salt mixtures on takeout or salads, whatever works for you. Yeah. And I I love what you said about how you mentioned there's a lot of times people, when you get into that nutritional conversation, they do, they get defensive, right? Or they just don't want to hear it. And I, what I love about your messaging is exactly what you said of just being aware. Like that's how I try to approach our health journey is to your point. Yeah. I can still choose to eat those bad potato chips, Mm -hmm. but at least if I'm choosing to do that, I know what's going on in my body. Right. And it just feels more empowering for those moments of, yeah, I don't eat them every day, but the moments I do, I know what's happening. And in that moment, I'm okay with that. You know, it's, it's having that power of, of knowledge. So I really like that mindset that you have there. I think that's the way to go about it. I love that you said that because I think a lot of it is, you know, again, kid of the nineties, we grew up Dairy Queen was such like a special treat to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I follow all these Instagram accounts, like the Food Babe, for example. And she really does a deep dive on a lot of these fast food chains and the crazy, crazy chemicals that are put into it. Dairy Queen, for example, I, I don't want to throw them under the bus. I love them. <laughs> it's not even ice cream. Like it is yeah. literally just chemicals after chemicals, horrible for you, proven to be bad for you. But it does hold a piece of nostalgia in my heart because my family grew up doing it. It wasn't, to your point, every day. But even a couple of weeks ago, right before my nieces and nephew left for sleepaway camp for the first time, the whole family went to Dairy Queen. I didn't freak out. I let my one and a half year old try some, you know, I feel like because it was a family bonding moment and it's not going to be an everyday thing when you do it, at least you should be able to enjoy it and share Mm -hmm. it and experience it with people you love and really enjoy it because, you know, it's not going to happen again tomorrow <laughs> it might yep. be a while. But again, yeah, just being aware of it and knowing that like if you're crabby when you get home or your stomach hurts, it's most likely connected to what you just ate. I completely agree. And it becomes your choice in the moment. And mm-hmm. exactly that, like, you know, I try to avoid dairy because I know what it does to me. And <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, I can't resist that ice cream. So I'm going to eat it go home and accept the consequences. But it was my choice. I'm not surprised by the consequences, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the coolest things I've learned too. I grew up with ADD. I now 33, still have Mm -hmm. it. But at, at the time, you know, when I was diagnosed in high school, I had no idea. I definitely ate a lot of candy and chips. I did like healthy foods, but I definitely ate a lot of candy. And there was no mind like gut connection that anybody mm. has pointed out to me. And that is, again, one of the, the largest takeaways I have learned all over the internet. Now it's pretty easy to research that you don't even necessarily need medication to solve a lot of these 
disorders, for Mm -hmm. example, you can literally change your diet. You can stop eating processed foods. You can stop eating dyes and it will literally make you not hyper anymore. It will make you focus better, have more energy and stamina. And to me, that is the coolest thing in the world to be able to control something that felt so out of control your whole life just by what you were putting in your body. I agree. I think that having that like we said, just the knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And for you, you know, you and similar with me, like I like having that knowledge. I like to make changes based on that knowledge. And the great thing about the mindset that we're talking about is someone else could get that knowledge and say, you know what? It's not worth it for me it's, to change. But well, at least they know, you know, yes. by not making the change, okay. Like, yeah, I just, I really think that's how like a lot of even healthcare education should go about it of just here's the knowledge and now you still are empowered as an individual to make the choice you want to make. Absolutely. That was the craziest thing when my dad was diagnosed. This was before I started nutrition school, but I had just discovered podcasts. <laughs> I was listening yep. to all these health-focused podcasts and a lot of them, you know, were making those connections and talking about a plant-based diet, which is the opposite of what my family does. But um, I had asked the doctors, like, should my dad be on a plant-based diet? And the doctor at one large hospital was like, why? What are you talking Mm -hmm. about? Why would that help? And then we ended up switching hospitals. And I asked the doctor there and the doctor responded saying, if you feel like that's going to serve your father best and that's Mm -hmm. what he wants to do, by all means, absolutely, it can't hurt. Right. And I just felt like, one, as we know, doctors traditionally are not taught anything about nutrition. There is yep. such a wide gap between nutrition and medical, the medical world, which again is wild to me because it really is all connected. But also just having that open mind from the second doctor saying that if that's what you feel is going to help, by all means do it versus questioning me and my instincts. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I ultimately know that's right, of course it's going to help. Or definitely, like they said, not hurt, you know, like it's not going to, yeah, do anything bad. There's that third uh, category of doctors too, who I think would like force the plant diet on you. Like you have to do this or it will go right. So it's, it's so hard to find that middle ground, um, especially in the healthcare industry of to your point, those who just want to educate and help you come to the decision rather than forcing one way or the other. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Nobody wants to be told what to eat, what not to eat, unless they are looking for that. Like if you Mm -hmm. went out and you were like, I want a nutritionist or I want to true. I think, but that's such a small group of people that want to do that. And other, you know, my nutrition degrees, technically I'm called a health coach, which to me oh, kind okay. of sounds like such like a woo-woo thing. <laughs> like how would anybody even know what that is? And I ended up taking it more into utilizing that knowledge to create products that are using clean ingredients to share it rather than coaching clients one-on-one. But I'm always happy to share that information as well. That's neat how you took it. And let's dive into those products. I know you described some of them before, but for someone listening, what can they expect on your website? What would you recommend they start out with? Um, just describe some of the the products you sell and what would you know entice someone to try them out. Of course, absolutely. So our original product is called Sid Sauce. So using my name and it's a sauce. 
It is basically an olive oil based hot sauce. So we use an organic olive oil and there are dry ingredients in there from chili peppers, truffles that are real black truffles, sea salt, a couple other herbs and Aleppo pepper for like a citrusy smoky kind of flavor. It is excellent to use. We say you can use it as a hot sauce. So you would shake it up and put it on top of your eggs in the morning or on avocado toast. You can put it into your crock pot if you do like a chicken or a pork situation or just topping ramen noodles. It's really versatile, really endless with the amount of things you can use it for. We currently have two spice levels for it. So there's the original, which still has a kick from the red pepper flakes, and then the spiciest, which adds habanero and cayenne. So that one's definitely more of a hot sauce. I love it on burritos, again, eggs. You can also cook with these oils as cooking oils. So if a recipe calls Mm. for one tablespoon of olive oil, you could use the sauce instead, which really sets us apart from other hot sauces that are vinegar based. Um, And then we have our seasoning salts, which are so fun, really versatile, very approachable because everybody knows how to use a salt. The original is very truffly. We take a real black truffle, shave it down into a fine dust. So it's like a truffle explosion. There are chives, a lepo pepper, a little red pepper flake. So excellent on all the same things I mentioned before. Great as a Bloody Mary rim as well. And then we've slowly started to come out with some other seasoning salts. So we have a white truffle version that we call Blanc. We have our chive blossom salt, which is seasonal because chive blossoms only grow twice a year. They are so pretty. They look like little pieces of lavender, but they taste like chive. So great as a finishing salt for a margarita rim or a cheese board. Great on your eggs in the morning. And then we also add malden flake salt in that. So you get that crunch from the malden. And then our newest product that came out in December is called Allium, which is the Latin word for the onion garlic family. So it's roasted garlic, toasted onion, rosemary, thyme, of course, black truffle. And we love that one on anything you would put garlic on. So roasted vegetables, uh, pasta, salads, you name it. Um, And we also have a couple more salts and oils coming out in a couple of months that will not be as spicy. Those all sound really good. Very versatile too. I love that. Like you mentioned the um, hot sauce, like you can cook with it. I didn't even think about that. Like with, you're right with other hot sauces, you can't really do that. So that's cool. Those all sound really good. What's that process like of making them discovering new flavors? Like, is it just you in the kitchen, you know, on a weekend trying to figure out what, what pairs well, Um, how do you experiment with like that next, you know, coming out with the next product? Yeah, that's a great question. So my husband helps out a ton for the business. You know, he still has a full-time job in advertising, but we typically go to the kitchen together when we are making product. I made him get the ServeSafe certification. Mm. So he helps out. um, And we've had our basic line of the sauces in the original salt. And, you know, I think like the company that we buy black truffle from came out with a white truffle. And we were like, oh, let's try that. It'll be seasonal. It's definitely a little more 
elegant and elevated. So that is going to be a smaller unit number. The ingredients are very similar to the black truffle salt, but the white truffle has such a different flavor. And then for the sauces, they've been altered and changed almost based on a lot of feedback we get. We do a ton of in-person markets, fairs, farmers markets, things like that. And there was a point in time where people kept commenting that it was too spicy, like for the original one. And I think we had realized that the chili peppers we were buying, they you can't always control the heat level from them. It is often oh, based on the sun exposure they get in the farm, which is, huh. you know, as a city girl, would I have known that probably <laughs> not. So we are way more careful to, you know, if a batch comes in extra spicy, we'll limit the amount of peppers so that it's not going to blow your head off. That we want it to be a comfortable experience. We want it to be enjoyable and not too, too hot. And then in terms of like the new, new products that are coming out, we really wanted to take some of like the garlic flavors. I'll give you a little sneak peek into our new oil is going to be the allium salt, but in an oil version. So rather than just taking the dry salt that we have and putting it through the process that we do for the oils, we had to tweak it. We're still tweaking it, which is why it's not out yet. You know, there might be too much rosemary, too much thyme. When you try it and we taste it, we're like, ooh, am I even tasting the garlic? Do I taste the truffle? So we share it with friends and family members whenever they come over. We test it on different foods at home and make sure that it's the perfect balance of ingredients that we want it to be. So we'll do like test one, test two, (laughs) test three, Mm -hmm. and kind of switch out the ingredients as we go. And we work in the kitchens after my husband's work day. So we'll go at night from like 5 to 10 p.m. And my mother-in-law or brother-in-law or parents will come over and watch our son. So it's trying to find every nook and cranny of available time we have to, yeah. to keep the business going. I can imagine, but I'm loving your, your process of just experimenting, testing, getting user feedback, essentially. That is such the, the right yeah. process to do. And I, I love to hear that. Where are you able to ship your products? So we ship national. So wherever, you know, any state you're in, we can totally ship there. And we have shipped to Europe once. The customer found us through, I believe, a Google ad and offered to pay for shipping. So great, you know, happy to do that because that's (laughs) obviously a different shipping cost. But typically just anywhere in the country we are can ship anywhere. So yeah. Nice. Great. Yeah. Congrats on that. I know with food products, it's always a bit tougher and kind of on that, that train of thought, you know, you mentioned in your intro that you, you know, just started making these things and were like, Oh, I, I could sell this and started selling it. And that, that statement is so easier said than done. <laughs> so how, how is that, you know, just that initial thought of, Hey, I could sell this and then turning that into a legitimate business. You know, I think at speaking from my own experience, like that's the hardest mental roadblock to get over, at least one of them of, you know, I have this idea, I know I can sell this service or product, but how do I make this legit? 
if you want to, you know, kind of explain what you went through or really what I'm getting at is advice for others who might be listening, who are in that position, you know, how to make that, that jump. Absolutely. So I think there are different, and I've talked to a lot of people since being in the industry, you know, there are people that have something that they're already making and they're like, oh, I just want to sell it versus somebody that's like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know what I want to do. And I think the latter part, that's a, a more difficult road to go down. Like, I think it's definitely easier if you have a product already, because you can always change and manipulate the product or even start the business and come up with a new product under <laughs> get rid of the original one. Um, so definitely to your point, it was like I made it in my kitchen and I was making six bottles at a time, which is hilarious and <laughs> selling them on Etsy. I had a tiny bit of experience selling things on Etsy. I'd say uh, right after college, I was like putting studs on phone cases, <laughs> which was nice. like very cool at the time when I forever <laughs> iPhone cases and I would sell them. And that, so I had a little back end experience on that. I am not super high tech, but I knew a tiny bit how to do it. And I think once COVID hit and it became more of an opportunity to really take this full scale and there was no time limit or, you know, there was endless time. I didn't have a son, I didn't have a dog. All I had was time. I was on unemployment, so I was job searching, but you know, you couldn't leave your house. And I was yeah. making this product. Everybody was really dabbling in the kitchen. People that didn't typically cook were starting to cook. So it was really such an opportune time to focus on this and make it more legitimate. My husband, again, being in advertising, saw the like sad makeshift labels I had on. He's like, let me help you. So literally went into PowerPoint, still not super high tech, but at least it looked better. I called one of my friends who's a lawyer. He set up an LLC for me. We went to Chase and opened a real bank account. And I eventually, you know, I was taking Zoom calls with anybody and everybody, literally from my bathroom, because (laughs) it was the only room with four walls. We lived in a lofted one bedroom apartment and my husband was working on calls most of the day in our living room. So you could hear everything through the bedroom because the bedroom didn't have a full fourth wall since it was a loft, which is so funny. So in the bathroom taking Zoom calls, we had one that was like a friend of a friend who maybe even wanted to invest, which I thought was beyond wild because what did I know about that? <laughs> we had yep. somebody, you know, who just wanted to help out in the food business who had previously worked in the industry. And I think I just found that it was a world where people just wanted to help one another. You're not a competitor by any means. They just wanted to share their knowledge which was even different than the restaurant industry. It was different. I was a preschool teacher before that than that industry. Like I felt like every other industry, people are so competitive. And this was just a world of people that were passionate about what they do and they wanted to help you. So I think that was the biggest turning point was seeing the love through all of it. And then I eventually met a friend of a friend who was going to be joining the hatchery, which is in East Garfield Park. 
and it's a shared commercial kitchen space. And she was making a product and we met for coffee in a December snowy day outside because it was COVID. And <laughs> um, we both froze our butts off and <laughs> she told me all about the program and I enrolled in it and six months later got into the commercial kitchen space. But that took a lot of you know, do I want to spend $300? You know, we really, we didn't take money from investors. We were bootstrapping everything. Could we afford to do that? You know, what if you lost the $300? Would it be worth it? Which is so funny to think about now, but there's no way to create a legitimate food business from your home kitchen. (laughs) So in order to get into retail or, you know, have people you don't know buy your products, that was the route I had to take. So I did all the certifications and the licensing and the tests and meeting with all these different people, again, all over the computer before actually getting into the kitchen in June of 2021. And that's when it really felt more legitimate. I can totally picture the bathroom Zoom calls. That is just so relatable. <laughs> Nobody really knew because I would just yeah. the background is the totally. shower curtain. Yeah. I was always so embarrassed that people would figure it out. So I would always <laughs> tell them and then they would be like, oh, that's funny. If you didn't tell me, I would have had no idea. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> very relatable. That's hilarious. Um, but no. yeah, yeah. Thanks for describing that journey because I was just reflecting on, you know, when you were speaking like end to end, right? The journey is a lot. Like, it sounds like, wow, like, and you have done and accomplished a ton. And I think it's remembering, you know, especially if someone's listening is in a specific stage of their own journey, that it really is day by day, right? Like looking back, it is a ton to do. It is a ton to complete and achieve (laughs) and paperwork and money, but Mm -hmm. I think it's remembering that in the moment you're taking it step by step, one task by one task, you know, it's, you're not accomplishing a six month year long, however long journey in a day. It's just easy to get overwhelmed, right? When you think of all the things you need to do eventually, but it's like you said, you just described it. I did this and then this happened and then this happened. Like it's very quite linear, you know, it's almost even better going into something like this without huge expectations or without even knowing the whole process, because it's kind of like you just do what the next step is. And then you ask somebody and they'll tell you what the next step is after that, or they'll tell you, you know, you're doing it wrong and you pivot in that sense versus I think if somebody told me, you know, when I started the LL, when I made the LLC in October of 2020, like everything that I would have gone through in the last, what, two and a half, three years, it would have been so overwhelming for me. I think I really might have stepped, like that would have sounded so scary, but like when you're in it and you're, of course you could build a business with a legitimate business plan and really take it on like that. But I think not always knowing the answers and just having goals, but then pivoting when you need to is a little easier to chew. It's definitely an easier process that way. And I think a lot of it is also like organic growth and not so hard to do, but like not comparing yourself to others. Like I think Truff, which I'm sure everybody knows the truffle hot sauce, I always saw as our biggest competitor. I'm sure they don't know who we are, but I always felt like, how do they have so many Instagram followers? How are they in so many stores? How are they this and that? 
And then I started listening to a lot of interviews with them and it was a fully different concept. There was a different reason they started the company. It's a different background story and it's again, a different product. So it really made me feel better about what we were doing and how we were growing slowly, organically, a little more at a slower pace versus just like, boom, if we got a million sales tomorrow, how would we fulfill that kind of thing? It's just a different path to take and there's no right or wrong way. I think it's just really trying to keep your blinders on in a good way of not comparing yourself to these other brands, but maybe taking advice from them of how what they did right or they did wrong. Yeah, that's a great perspective and great advice for others. And even a a small thing you said of, you know, if you got a million sales today, like I think that's even good advice and something to help orient your perspective to of Mm -hmm. when you're building something, like you said, from the ground up and kind of, you know, naturally or organically, it is important to remember that for some, you know, just some businesses, like maybe you couldn't handle a million sales right now. Like that's okay. You know, it's just, it's like remembering that to exactly your point to not compare yeah. because you're in a different spot for a different reason and you're building a different business. You know, if a small business just got that many sales, it might hurt them or ruin them. Like that's not, cause that's not how they built their business. And I mean that in a very good way of you're yeah. building a, 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 like a tight knit community, you're building it for the right reasons. You're following a mission and a vision rather mm-hmm. than just mass producing products exactly. in a day. Yeah. That's what I love about this, you know, smaller business community is there is that passion behind it. It's not a mass factory in the middle of nowhere that the owner never visits. Like everything's made with love and passion. And to me, that makes all the difference. A hundred percent. And I think the funniest is when we were in the Target Accelerator program last summer, they would kind of test it and be like, you know, if you get into Target stores, you're going to have to have X amount of products and then you have to pay to be on the shelves and you have to do all these things. And it was very overwhelming to hear all of it. And I think my husband was like, oh my God, what, what if we did get this many sales or what if we got into a store like this? And I was, I was like, oh, we'll figure it out as we go. Like it would Mm -hmm. be so fun. We'll stay up all night. And And he's seeing it more as like, how do you finance that without investors? How would we finance that tomorrow? How would we get the amount of products tomorrow? Like or in dry ingredients, you know, how do you do that? And I think it's good to have both sides, like the optimist to one end and the realist on the other end. But again, with a small business, it's trying not to be so overwhelmed by a potential thing that hasn't even happened yet, but also Mm -hmm. being somewhat prepared if it does. And of course, that is what we want. We want lots of sales. We want to be in stores. It's just, is it easier to take it a little slower, make build this loyal following, these cult followers that love the product, share it with their friends, gift it to friends and family and grow that way. So you kind of take it day by day and go that route. Yeah, you stated that that well. That's exactly what I was trying to say. You stated that way way better than I did. It, it's that finding that really hard balance, like you said, between the realist and the planner and making sure you 
could do that tomorrow, but mm-hmm. also the other end, right, of we'll figure it out. It'll come as it goes. And there's like that nice balance in there somewhere of having a little bit of both, I think, is is what's the best kind of mindset to have. And it seems like you guys balance each other out really nicely, which is great. <laughs> it's interesting. You just you got me thinking and I'm working on something on my own as well. And I was I was laughing in my head because I think you said how if you had known like everything that needed to happen, it would have been yeah. really overwhelming. And I think that's my, my problem with talking to so many of, of folks like yourself yeah, is I hear it all. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, just this, uh, this podcast is, you know, it's giving me such good advice and perspective, but I need to remember to take it day by day, which exactly. is what everyone says too. So <laughs> just, but I've met with a couple entrepreneurs recently that are like, do I, start this what's and they were very different products than mine and I kind of gave them you know the step by step of what I did which again is you know that's just how I did it that doesn't right. mean it's the only way to do it and it's also very specific to Chicago in the commercial kitchen world you know there are other programs elsewhere and one of the people was like I just don't I don't know that I want to take a risk like that you know at mm-hmm. my age like I'm self you know, I'm alone. Like I don't have like a husband to back me up. And I was like, I get that. I, it is scary when you think about it like that. And honestly, that is why almost not everyone, but a lot of people, these businesses are considered side hustles. You know, they keep their day jobs. If they have one, they do this at night, they do this on the weekends, they do it in any spare time they have, and then eventually try to make it a real thing. But the optics are, if you really look into it, it's scary. Will yeah. this feed my family if this was our only income right now? You know, hopefully in a couple of years, yeah. But right now or the last three years, no. But like, no, it, realistically, no, that's not how it is. But it is growing every year. And it is, you know, there's positive outlooks that way, that it's totally. continually growing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you know, starting your own business is one of the bravest things you can do to exactly all all the points that you said. It's fascinating. And I, I go back to that day by day, like you were saying, and you just take it as it comes and you you go from there. I was pretty annoyed when I would get criticism <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> and now I'm, I get it. And like the criticism is a good thing because it helps you grow. It helps you learn. Your product is our SID sauce, the same recipe it was when I first made it in our kitchen yes and no like it's very much a same similar flavor but like we've had to source different ingredients or change things or make it less spicy or go through different oils I mean it's it's a moving and changing living thing so Mm -hmm. it's always going to keep growing and iterating based on the feedback you're getting and because they are your customers and you want them to be happy while keeping your love for the products still there. Totally agree. It's that, again, that fine fine balance there as mm-hmm. well. Speaking of, you know, the business growing and, and changing, evolving, what are your, you know, major future plans for Sid Play Eat? Uh, anything in particular you want to share? I know you mentioned some of those new products coming out, but any big vision for the business or are you trying to stay really in the present moment? And like we've been talking about, you know, taking it, day by day and oper- as the opportunities arise going down those paths where do you see yourself and and the business in the future 
Yeah. So I do think it's always good to have goals. You know, we talk a lot about like manifesting and keeping the goals written down. And I feel like sometimes to people, goals are very scary because if you don't attain them, oh my God, then what? And I think if you see it as more of these are goals, if we end up wanting to pivot a different direction, great, let's pivot that direction. Uh, of course, easier said than done. So for now, and in the most tangible future, our goals are releasing this allium oil, which you are the first to publicly know about. Um, we have another salt coming out as well, which is very exciting. And then we are really, really, really close to onboarding to Amazon. So that is wow. going to be shipped out this weekend. And we'll see how that goes. Just kind of testing the waters there to broaden our client reach. We are also trying to continue right now. We are being sold besides our website, which is one of our favorite places for people to shop for us. We are in a few local stores across Chicago, more like smaller gift shops or cafes, you know, little boutiques, things like that. So we are trying to broaden that scope in the Chicagoland area, in other cities, really keeping, you know, a dream would be like a Dean and DeLuca situation, like little stores like that. Well, that's a big one, but you know, like things <laughs> yep, like yep. That, that aren't necessarily Whole Foods. Um, maybe long-term we would love Whole Foods or a Target just to get a wider audience. But that process is a different ball game. It takes a couple of years to get in. And then ideally right now we are still manufacturing our products. So another goal in the next couple of years is to possibly move into a co-packer and third-party logistics team and distributors and things like that so that you really can be into the bigger stores. So that's something down the line and then ideally making it a family business. So my husband would be working for Sidplate full time. Uh, my son would maybe help out when he's older and take over and kind of see where it goes at that point. But we would definitely also want to continue to expand our product lines and the products we're creating. I'm very impressed with what you've built so far, what you've achieved so far with the business and your especially more so your mindset around it. And you're just very, very positive. And I can hear the balance that we've been talking about of having some plans, but also just staying open for what comes and open to the future. It's very impressive. I'm so happy you were able to to share your story here because I think it's really inspiring. I know I'm inspired right now and I'm sure others listening are. So yeah, thank you thank so much you. for just diving into all that. And thank you. It does not, just so you know, it doesn't feel balanced every day. Sure. Yep, <laughs> I, totally. <laughs> I don't feel that way. It's definitely, yep. I love talking about it. I love sharing my story because I don't, want people to be so scared of the starting aspect. Like if you mm -hmm. have an idea, the best advice I've heard is just go for it. Just do it. You'll learn yeah. as you go. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just do it. And yeah, like the day to day, it, there are scary moments and learning to balance while taking care of my son full time has right. been quite a challenge as well. But we figure it out as we go. And I think connecting and meeting new people like you and sharing the story is really the coolest part of this industry. It's the most humbling and you really feel connected to everyone. Definitely. Yeah. And of, of course, I, you know, every day won't be balanced. I totally agree with that. I think the goal is that when you 
you know, are, are speaking about your business like you are here or maybe looking back that maybe it averages out to being balanced. Yeah. I think that's, that's the goal. <laughs> hearing that makes me feel better. Maybe I yeah. you know, can do more than I feel in the moment. So I no, appreciate I think, it. Yeah, you're, you're definitely on, on the right track. And I, I'm so excited to see where, where you take Sid Play Eat. Um, and before we officially close out, question I end every episode with is in this moment, what is your proudest accomplishment? And this is kind of just first thing that comes to mind could be the business, could be a personal thing, anything that comes to mind, just your proudest accomplishment so far that you think of while you're sitting here. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, one being on a podcast is so cool, but you know, know, when you really lay it all out like that, being able to kind of, or actually create my future to be able, I built together with my husband, we built a family, we have a son, we have a dog, we have our own food business that is helping people and not harming them. And it is kind of everything I ever wanted. And to me, to be able to put myself out and be vulnerable to criticism and know that not everyone's going to like our products or think that they're silly or it was a dumb idea, you know, we heard it all. I heard it all a couple like during COVID time when we were like, we're going to do this. This is going to be my full time job. You know, I said no when they offered me my job back. I was pregnant and I really felt like I had momentum going with the business. And that was a really hard decision to not have insurance. And I was pregnant, like to not have stable income or a salary and to be able to put your full trust in yourself and your husband or your family to be able to create and grow something that you feel passionate about. I think that I'm, I, you know, saying it out loud now, I am really proud that I've created all of that and kind of made it all come true. It sounds like you're just totally owning your life and what you're building and your passions. And that, that's like, what's so inspiring about your story is you're, you're doing it, you know, and of course there are hard days, there are hard weeks, there are hard months, but you're doing it. And that's what, what matters. Um, so again, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and where can people find you and Sid play, you know, social medias, your website, shout everything out so people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us on SidPlayEat.com to order our products and see recipes and blog posts. And then you can also follow me on Instagram, also at SidPlayEat. I share a lot of recipes, a lot of my baby and the dog and (laughs) different stores you can find us in locally. Um, as well as, you know, reposting what our customers share. And then we're listed in a couple of other stores across the city. And if you have stores that you think we would be a good fit in, send them my way. I would love to reach out to them. Well, thank you so much, Sydney, for being on Virtual Coffee. Again, what an inspiring story. And yeah, just loved having you on and chatting with you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Alexa. It was so great talking to you. And I can't wait to listen to every single one of your other episodes (laughs) from these other businesses and connect with them. 